It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. What happened in Texas with the Texas terrorist attack? What did we know? Should we have known? And curiously enough, something I was checking into last night, who was really there on the scene? when it comes to the FBI. Drew Berquist, former intelligence officer, host of This Is My Show with Drew Berquist at drewberquist.com joins me now. Drew, good morning to you. Hey, good morning to you, David. Thanks so much for having me. You know, Drew, I want to start with a point that came up in a conversation last night with you know people like yourself in the intelligence business, know the FBI. It struck me as curious that the response from the FBI was, one, this flight of some 70 people to the scene. That was a larger contingent in some ways. But in reviewing the videotape and the pictures, and I'm not a conspiracy person by any means, but a couple of intelligence specialists noted that they hastily had different patches was the FBI or a different uh, response team involved in this? Do you know anything about that? Well, look, I can't confirm any of that, but a lot of those same questions have come up. I think what was really in, I mean, look, there's a lot of interesting layers to what happened in, in Texas, and thank God that the rabbi and the hostages are safe. But what's so interesting about this is not just how he got here, but the fact that, you know, allegedly people – were, were blind or not paying attention at the wheel of him getting here. And then in response, they send in all these people, including HRT, which is their kind of tier one elements, if you will, the best of the best that they don't use for everything. Typically you're going to use law, local law enforcement, local SWAT officers for that, not fly in HRT. Um, so it, it, it definitely was peculiar whether, you know, I can't comment on the patches because I just don't really know. But I, but it, it definitely raised flags for, for people who have worked in the intel community, the law enforcement community, know how this stuff goes. And you just don't typically see that. Um, and then also how it ended. Yeah, I mean, again, a lot of questions, you know, I'll just say that some of my core sources were a lot closer than the media and that's where these questions come from and again i don't wander into that land but that hrt uh being there flown in you know you don't send them out without some indication clear knowledge uh maybe even prior knowledge so let's go to the first question let's follow this one how and why was malik faisal akram who was known to british uh intelligence from blackburn england how did he get into the U.S.? Why was he allowed into the country? Well, it's a colossal failure on our system. You know, the, the exact why is, of course, to be determined. But, the, but on the surface, you know, from, from working in the intelligence community, working specifically as a counterterrorism officer, you know, targeting and going after people like this, understanding their networks and, and, and how they operate overseas – you know, we have these lists for a reason, and we share a load of intelligence with the Brits. I mean, there's no one we share more with. We, we share it with several people, but, but certainly they're our best partners. So for him to be on a watch list there um, and flip through the cracks, look, when you're, when you're dealing with people, particularly those of Middle Eastern descent, you know, names get complicated, how this agency spells it versus that agency spells it. So sometimes there's some, some, some wires that get crossed. People slip through the cracks in the early stages. But once you get to the point where you're on a list and there's an investigation and we're tracking you or someone is tracking you, 
it becomes a lot more clear. Uh, so how how this happened, it's 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 a failure, and it, it really you know the way that this ended. I think could partly be, and I, I'm not a conspiracy guy either, but it could partly be, hey, we got to clean this mess up because this looks awful. Let's get our best people in there and put an end to this situation. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a worthy question. Look, back in the days when we spun up fusion centers and JTTFs, the Joint Terrorism Task Force, we worked very closely with UK authorities. As a matter of fact, there were friends of mine involved in training uh, different agencies in the U.S., NYPD, Boston PD, uh, UK. There was a lot of interaction there, a lot of training, so there's cooperation. Do you think that that's gotten lax in some ways? Uh, other issues you talk about, you know, name recognition, alias listing aside, uh, and information updates, which can lag. But uh, do you think it's gotten a bit lax or otherwise? Well, I th- yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to say. I mean, yes, I, I guess short answer, yes, I do think it's gotten lax. I think that people have gotten comfortable. We've had discussions, you know, you know, on the political level in the mainstream media about how terrorism is kind of winding down. It's kind of not behind or it's not as, as, as prominent of a discussion as it was. And that kind of does affect people in the intel community who so are starting to, to rejigger and refocus because a lot of the higher ups, unfortunately, are politicized. They're, they're not there and, and not mission focused necessarily. But I think one of the problems that we've seen, too, across the communities, <clears throat> law enforcement and intel is and even frankly, even in the military is where there used to be these JTTF type units. Um, and there still are some elements like that, but where there used to be these, these coming together and, and sharing info, sharing resources, now everyone is so excited about building their own empire. So you've got, you know, uh, a group that used to, hey, let's partner with the FBI for this so we, we can leverage each other's skills. Now everyone wants to have their own unit that does that. And it gets, it gets your, your sharing gets worse. And what happens is instead of having a, a group that's, that's connected and working together, you've got a bunch of people going off doing their own thing who say they're going to work together, but they really don't. Uh, there's a similarity or uh, maybe a pattern or similar circumstance to some degree between this suspect and the Sarnev uh, brothers in the attack in Boston, the timeline when you follow it, immigrating to the U.S. in their case, not immigrating, being born, but just this timeline and a troubling timeline uh, with specific statements, interactions with law enforcement, uh, you know, to the point of whether it's gotten lax or we're not watching closely enough, uh, the outcome can be deadly. And, you know, looking back at the chatter prior to this attack and others, there were uh, notes within the intelligence community or, or notifications of increased chatter, you know, can, you know, these asymmetrical type attacks, random attacks as a possibility. So, you know, sounds to me like a dangerous cocktail is building here and it provides an opportunity for those who are radical or maybe radicalized to act. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, and first of all, going back to the chatter and, and, and this whole thing, I guarantee you HRT doesn't show up there if they don't know who, who this guy is. And there's not some, some data and intelligence on this individual, which obviously we know that there, that there was. But they, they knew something about this or, or they're not bringing that level of player to the game. But in terms of 
of, of the of the other, just all this asymmetric stuff. I, I, look, the, the the timing is there, and it frankly always has been. But right now, we're we're in a weak state of the country. There's not we're not following our laws. We're not you know enforcing the, the whether it's the border laws or you know there's read a report about some some changes to how TSA is doing things for people today. So we're not following our laws. We're we're primed and ready. We're asleep. We've not been paying attention to this. And, and my biggest concern is always national security i don't think if we if we don't have national security buttoned up none of the other issues that people want to talk about matter because if you're not safe you're not you're not able to go out and debate and work on those issues and we've got to tighten this up things like this are a prime example it should be a huge wake-up call for the entire country but specifically the intel community and law enforcement community all right since you brought tsa into it and part of this ongoing conversation and one I had recently. I want I, I like to look for weaknesses uh, in order to you know examine what the potential is. The TSA in their recent announcement of what is allowable for illegal aliens in America to travel on an airplane. And as a frequent flyer, even through COVID, I've seen this. I've seen illegal aliens in the airports. I watched myself in one instance where a State Department uh, employee with a State Department badge that I stood a couple of feet away and saw clearly what it was, was shepherding illegal aliens through Houston's uh, Houston Intercontinental Airport. I've seen it in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, DFW recently. I've seen it in different airports around the country. Now they're allowing arrest warrants and other forms of ID that you and I couldn't use for an illegal alien to use to get on a plane, does that open up the possibility of a would-be terrorist using that as a form of ID to get through the system and onto or into an airport? They don't need to carry weapons. There's plenty available when you're in an airport to use to create an attack, if not a, a high fatality attack, but still an attack. Of course it does. I mean, look, I mean, it's, first of all, it's categorically absurd that they're allowing arrest warrants to be used as ID. It really makes us the laughing stock and an embarrassment right now in terms of security and protecting your nation. But but yeah, it absolutely does. And people forget that all the time, you know, and whether it's whether it's a radical extremist or some other unhinged person who's got an affiliation with whatever group um, and whatever you know ideology. You, 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 if you don't follow the rules, if you don't have strict rules, you just open yourself up to several points of failure. And to your point, once you're in the airport, there's plenty of stuff that you can use to, to wreak havoc, you know, cause destruction and or kill people. And, and we've just got to do better. The American people deserve better. Like people, you know, I, I know sometimes get into, well, we can't target this person. We can't target this person. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. Well, let's, let's hurt people's feelings for the sake of, of following laws and keeping everyone safe, because that's just a better outcome. Yeah, frankly, profiling is a tool of law enforcement and intelligence, and it should be used properly and it can be used effectively. It's used effectively entering countries like Israel. I've been down that road and in other areas around the world. So, yeah, I, I, I really care less about somebody's feelings being hurt than somebody, as I've known, victims of terrorist attack to have part of an arm, a leg or other injuries from an actual attack. Yeah, hundred percent. That, but but we're fighting up up you know upstream there, whatever analogy you want to use in this country, unfortunately, because and, and we have been since the global war on terror kicked off. You know, profiling quickly became 
uh, an issue and a point of, of, of huge debate, but that, that's where we're losing. That's where we're losing, and that's why we're not following laws is because it comes down to people's feelings getting hurt. Well, we can't actually charge this person. We can't expect them to follow or understand our laws, so let's just let them have a free pass. And golly, man, we just open ourselves up to so much, and we've seen it, and, and it, we are opening ourselves up to so much by not following the laws. Drew Berquist, former intelligence officer, host of This Is My Show with Drew Berquist. You can find all things at DrewBerquist.com. Follow him on Twitter at Drew Berquist. Thanks, Drew. Hey, thanks so much, David. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.